everybody, this is Malcolm Heading, and I'd like to invite you to join me in this podcast over the weeks as we study the book of First Thessalonians. What an exciting book to get into. And uh, we shall go through it carefully and pretty thoroughly. So do join me week by week as we enter into this period of study. Today, however, we shall do an introduction to this important book. And we shall begin by turning to Acts chapter 17 and verse 6. Here we find that it is said, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Speaking, of course, of Paul and Silas, those two great early church evangelists. So here's the introduction to this book that we should understand. This epistle, considered by church historians to be Paul's first, is believed to have been written in about 52 AD. It arises out of Paul's second ministry journey recorded in Acts chapter 17 when he and Silas arrived in Thessaloniki having journeyed there from Philippi. The journey thus far had been tumultuous as he and Silas had been jailed in Philippi for preaching the gospel there. This is because the message, though verified by the Hebrew scriptures, was bold and radical and called upon men and women to repent, to embrace Jesus as Lord and live out a different lifestyle to that of the prevailing culture. This is seen in the statement of their accusers that went as follows. These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive and observe. Acts chapter 16, 20 to 21. This reminds us that when the good news of Jesus is properly preached, the carnal nature of those who hear it will be angered and rise up to resist it. Pushback is part and parcel of our mission, and we should not forget it or be surprised by it. I am somewhat concerned about the gospel that is preached today. It seems to be so easy. It seems to have no radical demand. And many people flock to hear it and even embrace it. And sometimes I wonder, is this the gospel? Not that we should always look for trouble and riots and anger and dissent. But truly there is something in the carnal nature of humanity that rises up in resistance to a gospel that talks of hell and sin, repentment, holiness, and commitment to Jesus as Lord. Maybe we should think about this a little more. Anyway, this was the testimony 
of Paul and Silas as they preached through the empire. It is thus interesting to note that Paul and Silas's reputation for stirring up trouble went before them, in that when they arrived at Thessaloniki, it was declared of them, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Yes, the gospel of Jesus does turn the world upside down, but only for its good, because it promises the sure hope of eternal life. It also tells us that Christians are to be known by the manner in which they live, which is counter to the culture around them. I wonder whether we can say that today. We live a different way. For those outside of the kingdom of God, it should appear as if we have turned the world upside down. It's also worth noting that Paul and Silas, having planted churches in Philippi and Thessaloniki, then grounded them by writing letters to them. How interesting is that? By these, they could leave a written legacy by which to guard the believers from theological error and by which they could perpetuate their pastoral oversight and relationship with them. We, of course, are most thankful for this because these letters being so remarkable in content and teaching eventually became part of the inspired word of the living God and consequently continue to encourage, inspire and even correct us today. So the lesson is clear and demonstrated in Paul. And it's this, our godly actions today may well be a living legacy by which others can be built up in their faith and their love for Jesus for many years to come. How wonderful it is that Paul is still speaking to us today. Isn't that incredible? That the same letter that he wrote to a first century church at Thessaloniki has been preserved completely and still speaks to us today. That, my friends, is amazing. And it gives, it gives us a, an appreciation for how wonderful the Word of God is. Have it built into your life. Read it. Digest it. Meditate upon it. But do not neglect it. At a lesser level, of course, the tru this truth is also to be seen in the lives of Martin Luther, John Wesley, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, Andrew Murray, Campbell Morgan, Derek Prince, David Pawson, Lance Lambert, Billy Graham, and many more. So the question is, what legacy will you leave behind? 
what legacy will I leave behind that speaks on the power of my life, the things I've said, the letters I've written, maybe even the books that you've written. What legacy will live on? It's a testament to the power of Jesus that saves. The contents of 1 Thessalonians is diverse and rich and introduces us to a number of vital themes that we shall explore together in future podcasts. But for today, they are, one, the evidence of true faith and conversion. Paul speaks about the definition of love definition of faith, the definition of hope, brings us to an understanding of what these terms really mean. And that's for chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. The next part of this book is what we call the relationship between true shepherds and their congregations. The relationship between two between true shepherds and their congregations. Urgent message, urgent message to understand what the servant of God should be like, look like, and serve like. A challenge to each and every one of us today, and certainly to many leaders of local congregations. Thirdly, we shall consider the reality and role of affliction in a believer's life. How important. So much of our Christianity in the West is filled with the expectation of nothing but joy, prosperity, good times, health, but never affliction. Well, Paul will take us into that journey. Fourthly, he will deal with the need to live sanctified and holy lives. The outworking the evidence of, the fruit of salvation. Very important. Fifthly, the importance of addressing practical issues. Sometimes we have believers with their heads literally in the clouds, very spiritual, hyper-spiritual. But on earth, no good. Paul brings us down to a sober place of how we are to live, and the responsibilities we are to pick up. And then, sixthly, the believer's triumph over death. The believer's triumph over death. And here he launches into a marvelous, a marvelous passage dealing with the second coming of Christ. We see that in chapter 4. Seventhly, he will take us on a journey in our understanding of the coming day of the Lord and all that that means and what it is. What is the day of the Lord? How can we look for it? How shall we endure it? And what will be the season? Wonderful things that Paul will challenge us with. Eighthly, 
he gives us a number of very important exhortations, like bullet points that he sends out for Christians to understand and appreciate. And of course, ninthly, he closes with his final exhortation. My dear friends, in the weeks to come, we shall closely examine all these issues and themes and thereby seek to embrace all that Paul was trying to impart to the believers, those first century followers of Jesus at Thessaloniki, what he said to them, are new as ever, fresh as ever, and pertinent to our spiritual growth and our walk with Jesus. Do join me week by week as we explore Paul's first letter to the church at Thessaloniki. May God bless you. This is Malcolm Heading.